You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Genesis 32 in your Bibles, we saw last Sunday night, we saw Jacob's experience with God when he was in Bethel. And he named the place Bethel. Uh, He had a dream. You remember the story last week where we talked about that the ladder was going up to heaven. And uh, the Lord spoke to him. The Lord showed up and Jacob had a meeting with God. And aren't you thankful for meetings that you have with God? Aren't you thankful for times like that? By the way, you don't have to come to church to meet with God. Now, it's a great place to meet with him. And I'm glad he shows up around here. We, I preached last Sunday night, surely the Lord is in this place. And I hope we never take that for granted. But last Sunday night, we saw Jacob's experience with God. And we, he recognized that the Lord was in that place. Verse number 16 in Genesis 28, 17, he called that place Bethel. This is the house of God. But then something happened in Genesis 29. You don't have to turn back there. We're getting to chapter 32. But in Genesis 29, we see that after Jacob's experience at Bethel, he goes and he meets his wife-to-be, Rachel. But you remember the story? He was all set. He worked seven years to marry Rachel. And what happened? He got Leah instead. And then uh, his father-in-law, Laban, said, Oh, Sorry, Jacob, minor detail. I didn't tell you that the older one has to be married first, so that's why you got Leah. But if you want to work for me another seven years, then you can marry Rachel. And you know what the amazing thing is? He did it. And the Bible says that those years for Jacob just seemed to be just such a short time because of the love that he had for Rachel. So he married Leah (laughs) accidentally. Uh, He married Rachel And then he stayed on for another six years and he worked for his father-in-law, Laban. And the Bible records for us that during that time, Laban changed Jacob's wages 10 times. Now, it doesn't say specifically how those wages were changed, but I would dare say they didn't go up, okay? Let's just say that. If you were at work and you came back and you said, you know, pastor, they changed my wages 10 times uh, in the last year. And if you said it in a negative connotation, I'd think you probably got a pay cut, right? If you had a pay raise, I don't think you'd be complaining about it. I think you'd say, praise the Lord, I got a raise 10 times. Well, Jacob got his wages cut. He spent 20 years during that time and he was tricked and he was deceived by Laban. Not just in money, but he was deceived in uh, his wife, uh, uh, Rachel, and getting Leah first and all of that. And so Jacob decided, hey, two can play that game. And Jacob said, you want to treat me that way, Laban? Watch this. I'll get you back. And Jacob began to deceive and to trick and to manipulate to to get advantage of his father-in-law, Laban, with some cattle and with goods and with uh, money. The Bible records for us in Genesis 31, verse 3, that Jacob leaves Laban at the command of God. God said, it's time to go. And verses 11 through 13 of chapter 31, Jacob recounts the story of Bethel. 
And he's telling Rachel and Leah, and I don't think this was the first time, but I think it was another time that he says, I got to tell you about something that happened to me before we ever met. I was on my way to come and to find you, and I had a dream one night, and in that dream I saw a ladder going up to heaven. And he said, and God spoke to me, and God met with me there, and he told them about Bethel. Well, in Genesis 32, the Bible says in verse 1 that Jacob went on his way. He has left Laban, and that's a, really a miraculous story. Laban came, and he overtook him, and he could have done him harm, but God said, don't touch him, and don't say to him good or bad, just let him go. In verse 30, chapter 32, verse 1, Jacob went on his way, and the angels of God met him. And that was encouraging for Jacob, verse 2, and when Jacob saw them, he said, this is God's host. And he called the name of that place Mahanaim. Jacob sent messengers, verse 3, before him to Esau, his brother, unto the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Thus shall ye speak unto my Lord Esau. And he's trying to prepare Esau for this meeting. Because remember the last time he and Esau were together? He was tricking and deceiving his father, and he was stealing Esau's blessing from his father, Isaac. And so there's bad blood there. And now Jacob is going and he's preparing to meet Esau. Verse number seven, verse six, and the messengers returned to Jacob saying, we came to thy brother Esau and also he cometh to meet thee. Hey, Jacob, you're going to meet him. Well, guess what? He's coming to see you. And oh, by the way, he come, he's coming with 400 men with him. <laughs> that doesn't sound like a good meeting. It sounds like Esau's got his army. He's got his henchmen. He's got his buddies. He's got a militia coming with him. And the Bible says in verse 7, Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. Verse number 8, And he said, If Esau come to the one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And literally he is planning an escape, thinking that half of his family is certainly going to be destroyed, but maybe the other half can at least get away. That's how scared. That's how terrified he was. Verse 9, he cries out to God for help. Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Esau, uh, Isaac, excuse me, God of my father Abraham and the God of my father Isaac, the Lord which say unto me, return unto thy country and to thy kindred and I will dwell with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies and of all the truth which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him lest he will come and smite me and the mother with the children. And thou saidst, I will surely do thee good and make thy seed as the sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Jacob is fearful. Have you ever been there? Have you ever been fearful? Have you ever been distressed? Have you ever been in a position where you had no other choice but just to cry out to God for help? That's where Jacob is. He's fearing for his life. He admits in verse 11 that he is afraid of Esau and what Esau might do. You see, it's been 20 years since he met with God at Bethel. For 20 years or more, Jacob has been fooling everybody. He fooled his father. Remember that story? Where his father said, uh, uh, who art thou, my son? And Jacob said, I'm Esau. 
His father said, well, your, your voice sounds like Jacob. Come closer. And he had put animal fur on his arm so that he felt like and smelled like Esau. And he tricked his father. He had tricked Esau, remember, out of the, the birthright with that bowl of pottage. And he had tricked his father-in-law and he had lived a life of fooling everybody. But he found out that you cannot fool God. And here he is in Genesis 32. He's praying and he's crying out to God. He's asking God to save him. He's asking God to bless him. But before God could bless Jacob, God had to do a purging work in his life. And friend, I want to tell you, that is often a painful process. When God does a purging, when God does a cleansing, and by the way, it's necessary. Don't run from it. Don't hide from it. Don't say, I don't want it. No, you need it and I need it. We need God to cleanse us and we need God to purify us. Because before God can bless us, he's got to have a vessel that is clean and a vessel that is sanctified and a vessel that is meat for the master's use. Verse number 24, we see that Jacob now is preparing to meet Esau. And he sends his family up ahead, verse 23. And in verse 24, it says, And Jacob was left alone. And there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day. He wrestles with a man, the Bible says, all night until the morning light. Now, this man, we'll see in a minute, this was not an angel. This was not a, a man that Esau sent and said, Hey, go get Jacob. This man was God. God had showed up. And, now, and I, I can't explain all this. I'm just telling you, here's what the Bible says. God shows up and Jacob is having a wrestling match with God. Now, if that's not a serious case of the stupids, I don't know what is. I mean, what did Jacob think? Did he think he was going to win? Did he think it was going to be a draw? Did he think that maybe he had a chance? But the Bible says that he wrestles all night till the breaking of day. In verse 25, notice this. This is so powerful. When he saw that he prevailed not against him, that's not talking about Jacob. That's talking about God. Now, it doesn't mean that Jacob was stronger than God, uh, that, that God was stronger than Jacob. That, that's not what it means. It means that Jacob was not willing to submit to God. Jacob wouldn't stop fighting. And God finally says, listen, buddy, if you're not going to give in and if you're not going to let me have my way in your life, I'm going to have to hurt you. And that's exactly what God did. Notice in verse number uh, 25 that he says that he, that is God, he touched the hollow of his thigh. And the hollow of Jacob's thigh was out of joint as he wrestled with him. Literally, it's like having a hip out of socket. Now, I've never had that. Some of you in this room have, and some of you have had hip replacement surgery. But I, I, I would dare say you're probably not going to be in a position to wrestle or fight or resist if your hip is out of socket. But that's what God did to Jacob. In verse 26... And this, now, now, now catch this. And he said, and again, this is God speaking to Jacob. He said, let me go. Now, hang on. 
I thought they were fighting. I thought they were wrestling. And now God touches the hollow of Jacob's thigh. Jacob, uh, his, his hip is out of joint. And now Jacob is hanging on to God and he won't let him go. Now, are you getting the idea? Something happened there. Because if you're wrestling with somebody and they knock you out of socket, they knock you out of commission, you're like, get away from me. I am done. I am not doing this anymore. But something happened. Because in the midst of that wrestling match, Jacob stopped fighting with God and now he's clinging to God. It's like he's hanging on for dear life. It's like if you've ever had a child that like comes and like jumps on you and they won't let go and you're trying to get away and they will not let go. And God says to Jacob, let me go. And here's what Jacob says. I will not let thee go except thou bless me. And he said unto him, this is God speaking to Jacob, what is thy name? Now that's a powerful question because that is a very similar question to the question that Jacob's father asked him over 20 years ago. Who art thou, my son? And you know what Jacob said? I'm Esau. And he fooled his dad. But you don't fool God. And so God asks him, he says, what is thy name? And Jacob says, I'm Jacob. And God said, thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men and hast prevailed. I want you to notice in verse 28, that word prevailed. We see the same word is found in Verse 25, it says, when he saw, that is God, when he saw that he prevailed not against him. But now here, Jacob is blessed by God. He, his name is changed. He becomes a prince with God and he has power with God and with men and he has prevailed. I'd like to give you a few thoughts here tonight and I won't be long. I've given you a long introduction. But I'd like to give you a few thoughts tonight on how to have power with God. You say, well, pastor, that's a great, that's a great message for a preacher because preachers need power with God. And I agree, preachers do need power with God. You say, that's a great message for a missionary. You know, missionaries need the power of God. And that's a great message for a, a, bus, a bus driver or bus worker or junior church or Sunday school. Or that's a great message for a, a musician that stands to sing or play an instrument. Did you know every one of us need the power of God? You and I, we need the power of God this week. In whatever role, you need the power of God at work. Amen. You need the power of God at home. You need the power of God in your marriage. And you need the power of God with your children. And you need the power of God to be a witness. And you need the power of God to be a testimony. We've got to have the power of God. So how do we get it? How did Jacob get the power of God? Lord, I pray you'd speak to us and help us not to miss these truths. And I pray that uh, your word would be delivered clearly. I pray that you give me the words to say. And I pray that you'd speak to our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Verse number 29, and Jacob asked him and said, Tell me, I pray thee, thy name. And he said, Wherefore is it that thou dost ask after my name? And he blessed him there. And Jacob called the name of that place Peniel. For I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Verse 31, and as he passed over, Penuel, the sun rose upon him, and he halted 
upon his thigh. What, what that means is he walked with a limp. And you know what that limp was? That was a result of God touching him and God literally, God breaking Jacob to get to the place where he needed to be. Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, the greatest blessing comes through brokenness. You know, it's interesting that Jacob didn't get this blessing at Bethel. Now, he got a blessing, but he didn't get this blessing. This blessing did not come after he woke up and said, oh, that was a good dream. This blessing came after he had to wrestle with God and God had to break him. Did you know the same is true today? God uses broken things. God uses broken vessels. You say, well, why would God use broken things? Well, broken things realize that they can't take any credit. As broken people, we realize that without God, we are nothing. And Jacob was broken. He was, he was injured literally by God and it affected him the rest of his life. He never walked the same. And he always was reminded of that meeting he had with God at Peniel. Number one, the greatest blessing comes through brokenness. You are here tonight and maybe you're going through some brokenness. I look around this room and almost without fail, I look at, at, at people that I know, some, I don't know all, but I know some of the brokenness you're going through. And you know, sometimes we resist that and sometimes we, we want to change that and sometimes we'd like to escape that. And I'm with you, I'm the same way. I'd rather not go through it. But did you know sometimes you've got to be broken before God can use you like he wants to? And sometimes you have to be broken before God can bless you like he needs to. When God uses broken people, it is God that gets all the glory. Number two, let me say this about this passage. Number two, winning with God requires surrender to God. Now, you almost don't think you could put those two words in the same sentence and say, I'm going to win, so I'm going to surrender. Could you imagine in a, in a ball game? Can you imagine the other team walks on the field and says, we give up. Oh, by the way, we want the trophy too. No, sir, that's not the way it works with man. But that's how it works with God. You don't win with God until you first surrender. You don't win with God until you're willing to give up and to give in and to say, God, I want your will to be done. If you have to break me, if you have to, uh, to do something in my life to remind me of how insufficient and insignificant I am, then God, I'm willing to go through it. But I want to have victory that comes from you. Paul said it like this, those things which were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. You see, in the Christian life, you have to die to live. You have to lose to win. You have to give to get. Doesn't make sense to the world. But number two, winning with God requires surrender to God. Number three, let me give you another thought, another lesson from the life of Jacob in Genesis 32. Could I tell you that it's not a good idea to fight with God? It doesn't end well. Now, I understand that Jacob was broken through this, but if Jacob would have first been willing to say, God, I surrender, I believe that Jacob could have had the blessing. But oh no, Jacob had to say, I'll take him, I'll get him, I'll, I'll, I'll prove to this man who is God, I'll prove to God that I'm strong. Friend, we're not strong, we're weak. And number three, don't fight God. 
but rather cling to God. And that's what happened in this story. At the beginning, Jacob was fighting, but at the end, he was clinging to God for dear life. He had already lost. He had already been injured, but he recognized how much he needed God's blessing. Wouldn't it be good this week, rather than fight against God, wouldn't it be good if you just would cling to God? Rather than try to, to fight to get your own way, wouldn't it be good if you just said, God, I want you to have your way. And God, I just want to be with you. And God, whatever you want to do, my life belongs to you. It's yours. I want you to have control. Don't fight God. Don't, don't fight against what God's trying to do in your life. Cling to him. Trust him. Love him. And be close to him, as we said this morning. Number four, I want to encourage all of us to get desperate for God's blessing. You know, for Jacob, it may have never come down to this if he hadn't first had that meeting with Esau. That shook him. That scared him. He knew he was in trouble and he knew his whole family was in trouble if he didn't get something right with God. Number four, get desperate for God's blessing. Jacob knew that he had to have God's blessing. He knew that he could not go on without it. And I want to say this, and please hear me well. If you can live without God's blessing, you probably will. If you can live without God's blessing, and if you think you don't need God's blessing, that's probably the way it's going to be. But that's why you got to get desperate. That's why you got to get desperate. That's why we get on our knees and that's why we come before the Lord and say, Lord, I've got to have you. I need your wisdom. I need your help. God, would you please, please bless me? And that's what Jacob did. He said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. Wouldn't that be good in the morning when you're having your prayer time? Just to say to the Lord, Lord, I'm not in a hurry this morning. As a matter of fact, I'm sticking around until you give me something. Wouldn't that be good in your Bible reading? Say, hey, I'm not just checking a box today, but God, I need to get something from your word. And until you bless me, I'm not going away. Amen. Can I tell you, God wants to bless you. Get desperate for his blessing. Then number five, lastly, Jacob was never the same after his meeting with God. His limp was a lifelong reminder that his blessing had come from God. I, one commentator, I think it was John Phillips, said this. He said, Jacob entered Genesis 32 with a strut, but he exited chapter 32 with a limp. And you know, those that come to God must come humbly. If God's going to bless you and God's going to bless me, he's not going to bless our pride, but he will bless those that come in humility. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. And Paul prayed that the Lord would remove that thorn in the flesh. And do you remember what God's answer was to Paul? He said, I'm not going to remove that. He said, I'm going to give you my grace and my grace will be sufficient. He said, for my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So you may have a weakness. I may have a weakness and we all do. But did you know that's the opportunity for God's strength to be visible and for God's strength to be made manifest? Here's what Paul said. I will rather, therefore, glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. And I think that's about what Jacob's attitude was after he left that meeting. He said, I may have got a limp out of it, but I got the good end of the deal because I have the blessing of God. And by the way, God did bless Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. He became the father of the nation of Israel and the 12 tribes of Israel. And God had great things in store for Jacob 
But first, Jacob had to get honest with God. And friend, I want to tell you, when God is working on you and when God is working on me, don't fight against God. Say yes. Surrender. And let God have His way. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.